Greetings this evening in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Lamb of God who has come for each and every one of us here this evening. I hope you have a good time at school today. I told my daughter on Monday when I was dropping her off, I heard something similar on Tuesday. I was buying my normal cup of coffee in the morning and the barista told me as I went through the drive through window, I hope you have a good day, sir. On Wednesday, I was off to a meeting and a co-worker told me, I hope you have a, a good meeting. And then on Thursday, as our parents were leaving from the preschool, I heard one say to another, I hope you have a good Easter break. It isn't uncommon for us to wish each other well wishes back and forth. We do so quite often, saying that we hope someone will have a a good day, that somebody will have a a good time. But today seems, seems different to me. To define a day in which the only sinless man to ever have walked this earth that was falsely tried... And, and beaten, and mocked, and spit upon, and eventually put to death, doesn't seem to translate as being good to me. So why? Why is this the case? You heard that opening remark from our gospel text today, sharing that this unusual number of guests has gathered at the home of Mary. They've come during this visit, and we hear that Jesus has done something that actually leads people to believe in him. The event our witnesses are referring to, Pastor Allen shared prior to that text, it's the miraculous, literal, death-to-life transformation of the raising of Lazarus. Imagine what that must have been like on that day. To hear Jesus call out his name and to watch this friend, this brother, this man come forth from this tomb to have life once again. I mean, if any event ever in the history of the world could be described as as being good, wouldn't this be that event? Jesus has, has physically shown The power of God that is within him. Tears of sorrow from the people have been transformed into these tears of celebration. And hearts of people have been converted to believe in Jesus. Would not everybody look at this event and say, these things are good? That's not the the case as we continue on. Review with me again, verses 46 through 48. It says, But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting at the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Strangely enough, these actions by Jesus are declared by some not to be good. In fact, they're so detestable, or such a bother it would seem, 
to some that they begin scheming against this man. We hear at the end of the text that they even try to begin to kill him at every opportunity. Why? Why would anyone seek to kill this man? Think about who Jesus is. He is this great teacher amongst these people. His morals are impeccable. He treats everyone uh, with respect. Look at those that he is currently serving, the, the widows, the lame, the poor, the crippled. And so why? Why did Jesus have to die? The Pharisees are noted as being one of the individuals that are, that are inside of this text, that are a part of this group. A highly conservative bunch of individuals who view Jesus as being uh, too liberal and lacking in tradition. We also hear about the chief priests who make an appearance, men who believe that Christ does not respect them and their position of authority and their rule within the temple place, within their own church or gathering of worship. The text says that they meet within the Sanhedrin, so we can also be assured that the Sadducees that we hear about many times within Scripture are also there in attendance. The Sadducees are actually opposite of the Pharisees. They are highly liberal and believe that Jesus is too conservative. Groups view him in so many different ways. Interestingly enough, all of these groups that come together as they coexist, they don't see eye to eye on, on many things at all. In fact, they're in direct contradiction of many things. Yet on this one issue, in the case of Jesus, who is gaining popularity amongst the people, everyone comes to agreement. Jesus must die. Why, we ask again, why? You see, one of the most peculiar items in the death of Christ, I think, actually falls upon these enemies that we read about tonight. For Jesus is not killed by these bloodthirsty savages that come about. Uh, he's murdered by people just like me and, and just like you. Did you not hear that in the, in the Old Testament lesson as Pastor Allen read it for us tonight? Review two of those verses again from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53. He says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for, for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid him the iniquity of us all. You see, when we ask that, that question, why? Why was Jesus put to death? Uh, the answer is our selfishness. The attitude that makes us envious uh, of others. An emotion that leads us on this path of, of bitterness, of resentment. Uh, it leads us on a path to sin. When I was a young boy, I remember my parents taking us on a special vacation one time. Uh, we stayed at a very nice hotel, which we didn't do uh, that often. 
they were having this continental breakfast down at the pool in the morning. So my parents got us together. We went down. It was a beautiful day. I remember the amount of food that they had as they were setting <clears throat> everything up. Uh, so much. I remember my parents holding back, my brothers and I saying, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. <laughs> and just before they're about ready to open this beautiful continental breakfast, right there next to the, the pool where the fence was, a skunk walks through. <laughs> and as he comes through, he came through the bushes, and I don't think he noticed until the last moment all the people that were gathered out there waiting for this, this breakfast. And as he started watching the people and kept walking and walking and walking, he finally fell right in the pool. <clears throat> uh, skunks don't swim too well. He was uh, drowning very quickly. He couldn't keep his head above water. He instantly puffed up and started filling up. And I just remember him panting as his head went up and down and up and down. My dad ran over and grabbed the gigantic pool net that was there. And he scooped that little guy out as he was beginning to sink. And he dumped him next to the poolside and and saved this little guy's life. But wouldn't you know it, That skunk looked right at my dad and lifted his tail and sprayed all over the continental breakfast and shut the entire thing down for the day. Why did he do that, I thought as a young boy? Why would would that guy do such a thing like that? My dad just saved his life. But it was out of self-preservation, was it not? That skunk was still afraid. He didn't trust my dad. He was only thinking about himself. You know, God comes for all of us. And we hear that in this reading in the book of Isaiah, that we have all gone astray, that we we go our own way. And God comes and he he scoops us up as we're drowning in in our sin. He saves us. And how do we repay him? on this earth. What do you and I continue uh, to do on a, on a daily basis? I see our Father right there that has just taken upon himself the sin of the world. He didn't have to do that. He does it. The men think the same thing about Jesus in our text today. If we let Jesus go on like this, then, then we will lose. Did you hear the words the religious leaders Uh, This man will take away our temple. He will take away our nation. They no longer see the church as being something that belongs to God. They think it belongs to them. In fact, the mission of the Lord that we still talk about today is not founded upon the Lord's plans, but it ends up being founded upon theirs. Jesus is not viewed by them as being a savior from sin, but he is this, this hindrance of self. But there's no winning in this. There isn't. When we have this mind tainted by selfishness, tainted by by envy, it it breaks us. Look at this scripture from Proverbs 14, verse 30. The author writes, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. How true. 
Think about envy of what it does. Envy ruins our, our contentment. It clouds the judgment that you and I have. It destroys our, our friendships. It dissolves a team. Envy allows others to ridicule somebody else's success. Through envy, we try to rationalize our hatred for others. It motivates revenge. And we will say that these things are, are, are good even at times because we want to justify our sinful behavior. It moves a, an agenda forward of turning our back upon others, maybe worse yet, of, of turning our back upon God. But ironically enough, even in this time, even amongst these men that gather to surround and, and swarm and take on Jesus and to bring him down, the Lord uses that time. There's actually somebody who's in opposition to Christ that prophesies this very profound truth. Hear it again, it's in verses 49 and 50. It says, Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. In the mind of Caiaphas, when he, when he says this statement, I'm sure it doesn't have immediate significance. Uh, and it's basically a selfish statement that he is trying to make. Caiaphas and those who gather around him today are called the servants of, of the Lord. They're supposed to be mediators for the people. But in lieu of serving this love and devotion for the Lord, they are honoring themselves first and foremost, justifying their acts and intentions and in saying that they will honor this, this greater good, that it is good if this one man is put to death because then we will have so many others saved. Caiaphas this time thinks that he is showing this political prowess that he has Yet again, God is actually using him in this office to proclaim a plan of redemption that was put in place for all mankind even before the beginning of time. Look how John unpacks this ironic series of events in verse 51 through 53. John says, He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. When we hear those words that, that Caiaphas announces, when we see the actions of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other chief priests, we could ask ourselves, how could, they, how could they do such a thing? To murder an innocent man, to murder a perfect man, to murder God. We point our finger at them, and maybe sometimes we do the same with others in the world, asking those same questions. How could they do such a thing? All until we realize that you and I we're guilty of the same offense. We cannot, in good conscience, sit here tonight and claim that we have not been, been selfish in our lives. 
that we have not served ourselves in so many different ways. We cannot honestly share that we have not been envious of others, that at times we have acted out or spoken out against other people, even God's own people in different ways. We cannot truthfully state that we have not in our own way thought, maybe even at times, God, uh, maybe you know nothing at all. God, let me tell you what is, what is better, what my plans are for today. That in the end, we have acted just as Caiaphas acts. Uniquely enough, though, when Caiaphas speaks, he aims to set in motion this plan that, that serves him and his agenda, yet God speaks out of this priestly office a message that the Lord once delivered for these people and for these people. Ironically, one man does die for an entire nation. He dies for the Pharisees. He dies for those chief priests. He dies for the Sadducees. He dies for Caiaphas. He dies for me. And here tonight, he dies for you. These are Paul's good words for us in that epistle that we heard is Paul himself, and we have the opportunity of looking back at this great sacrifice of our Lord. From Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How ironic it is indeed that the God of the universe, of all things, Jesus Christ would die for the ungodly, that he would die for us. And so maybe we come back to where we began. What good news that we do here today. A good God who gives a good gift through his good son, all so that you and I, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, tonight can wish each other a good Friday. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as your words melt our hearts this evening, we know what what awaits, Lord. We know the celebration of Easter, but don't let us jump too fast. Give us a moment, Lord, to be able to, by your Spirit, take in the pain and the sacrifice that you have committed on our behalf, that you have absorbed upon yourself so that we may have the freedom to be here tonight, to hear these words, and to leave here a chained people. Chained not by sin, but chained to your love. Lord, give us that guidance and direction that all of us need, that we will leave our selfishness and envy behind, and that we will think solely about you in all things, that we will honor you, that we will glorify you, uh, that we will worship you as we have the opportunity tonight. Lord, bless every man, woman, and child here this evening, uh, those who are unable to be with us, Uh, your church across the world, Lord, that we may know of this miraculous message and that we may tell one another it is good. In your son's name we pray.
Amen.